Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sports, man. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bigly and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bigly and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning, Valley sports fans. Ah, yes, the sweet sight of the Friday finish line is right in front of us. What is happening, everybody? Dan Bickley, Vince Morata, Jared Carlin, and young Zach filling in for Sarah Cazell. We have got one last day for our Phoenix Children's Giveathon week. We have got coverage of a football game this weekend, and we have got some young basketball fan trolling Ben Simmons in an It's Sugar store. Did you see this video, Vinny? I saw this. It's <laughs> one of the most annoying things I've ever seen. Okay. <laughs> this is, I don't know if this is a thing. Have you ever experienced this? People who approach you in public and they come at you and, and, and the initial vibes are, wow, this dude is really excited to see me. Mm-hmm. And then it goes bad. And you find out that those intentions aren't exactly... Pure. Apparently, I don't know much about the whole TikTok culture. That's something I'm very proud of, by the way. But I did see this, and in reading about it, this guy that did this, he sees Ben Simmons in a candy store, and he says, "Oh, hey, bro!" And he, he says the hey, word. It's bro. you, bro. He says the word "bro" about six thousand times in uh-huh. a thirty-second video. But then he says Russell Westbrook, and then he says stuff like "Can't shoot, bro." And apparently this is this guy's online brand. He does it. He, he did it to Chris Paul. Oh, he did accusing him okay. of being Rajon Rondo. So, oh, yeah. okay. So this guy's got a history of this kind of stuff. Yeah, this guy needs to do that to Mike Tyson, like that guy in the plane, right. and see that's what happens. Ex- that's exactly right. You know what? I can't shoot, but I can punch you in the face. Like it, it makes Ben Simmons almost a, a sympathetic figure. When my uh, when my oldest son, who is now a sophomore in college, when my oldest son was very very young. The first time he went in to an It's Sugar store blew his ever-loving mind. He went into that store, I believe, with $40 of birthday money that he had just received. He had just received about 20 minutes earlier. And and he's like, Dad, I'm going to check this out. I'm like, okay. So I walked back out. We were, this is at Kierland. And I walked back in, and my son is at the register, the checkout counter. And his bill, I look at the cash register. She's already at $37.83 in candy that he's buying. And I stepped in, and I said, ma'am, listen, I'm really sorry about this. But about a half of this stuff's going back. <laughs> and I, it, because he just flipped out. He saw this. He's like, this is the greatest thing I've ever he's seen. Shaking. It's like Willy Wonka. It is. It's like, except. It's like Augustus Gloopsy in that chocolate milk river. <laughs> and going, dude, I'm in. How old was he at this time? He was just a he was just a little whippersnapper at the time, man. He, <laughs> but but he just he was going to spend every cent he had just received for his birthday that on candy when life was great. <laughs> well, also and you had a little birthday money in your pocket, and you were just going to blow it on one thing, <laughs> one yeah. thing. And and also in the old days, those kind of candy stores used to let you go around, and you could like taste 
one of the, each of the things there. No, I think, I think that's called stealing, Jerry. <laughs> well, they definitely they definitely stopped letting people do that. Did they ever really actually let them? Maybe do they that? just have. Maybe they've emphasized the fact that you can could never have that's done that. I'm going to show my age. Do you remember the yeah. the Brock's pick a mix the yes. displays that yes. used to be in the yeah, su- in the stores? I do. Man, half that stuff got stolen. Remember the Jelly Belly <laughs> displays where you had the big things oh, yeah. so you could just open them up and you'd fill up a yep. bag. Yep. Now you go up and they'd weigh that bag. You'd be like, how much? On on the fact of birthday money and birthday things, you know, today is my birthday. Oh, that's right. Happy birthday, Jerry. Thank you. Is that why you're wearing that festive gold lame shirt? Man. Well, I thought I'd wear Talk kind of a... bearing the lead. Happy I, birthday, Jerry. I, I did not you. know. I, I knew it because I saw it on the board, and then it slipped my mind. I feel bad. Now, Guess when so you have I. to bring up your own birthday, well, yeah. no, that's I, bad. I, I don't we like suck, no, no, I don't, suck. No, no, it's fine. I don't like to do that, but I didn't want it to get all the way to like the sports kebab, and I mentioned it there, and then you guys are like, what, you son of a gun? If you really wanted to make us feel bad, you would have done that. <laughs> well, I never want to make you feel bad. <laughs> that's so, all right, well, you know what? It's a Friday. We were on our own timetable. What are you doing for your birthday? For for my... Uh, Going candy shopping. Yeah. yeah, right. That's what he's doing. Well, they don't... After I, they caught me pocketing a, a, uh-huh. goober, a goobers. The, they the giant Twizzlers. Yeah, they don't yeah. let me get back uh-huh. in those stores. Going uh, tomorrow, just, you know, dinner with the family and stuff. Okay. Nice. Friends. Nothing okay. crazy. Enjoy. You know, I, I'm not like the biggest make a big deal out of birthday person. Yeah, we're all at that age now. You strike me as the, as somebody who would be a look at Isn't me. Isn't that interesting? It is. I was explaining this to Sarah the other day that while I do crave and devour up attention when it is given to me, <laughs> certain things right. I uh, <laughs> he does devour stuff it. about. Nom, nom, nom. I don't. I don't know why. There, there's certain things I don't like attention on. And getting know. older is one of those things. Yeah, and birthdays. Yeah, no, totally, listen, I'm with totally you makes that. sense. Well, happy birthday happy to birthday, you. Happy birthday, Jerry. Your birthday is one day after my wife's birthday, which was yesterday. Oh, happy birthday yeah. to her. But she's going to be doing the, she's gonna be doing the whole birthday week thing. This is my birthday so half year. Last <laughs> night was a $300 dinner at X Place. Tonight, off with their friends at a fancy restaurant. Who knows what the weekend will bring? Oh, it's unbelievable how females can turn birthdays into week-long events. Yeah, my... It never ceases to amaze me. <laughs> this is our latest start ever to this podcast. I know, yeah. Thanks for the birthday Do we have to there. get going here? Yes. Do we have to get the show started? Start the show, Jarrett! The Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Yeah, Cardinals heading into a football weekend, continuing training camp, getting ready for that preseason matchup Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens at State Farm Stadium with what uh, Cliff Kingsbury called a high-energy practice on Thursday. Cardinals did make a signing, too, inking former San Francisco fullback Josh Hokett as a uh, tight end. Uh, That game kicks off, by the way, Sunday, 5 o'clock. You can hear all the action here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. But uh, it's starting to feel starting to feel like football season. A Friday show heading into a Sunday game. That feels normal, Bic. Uh, and again, I'm kind of... 
I'm kind of trapped in this weird place right now where I'm excited to see these games that I'm disappointed because I know they mean nothing. This is the this is the time of preseason football that I start to yeah. really resent it, if you will. But I, I, you're right. We're getting closer. Yep. 20, what, 23 days from the season opener? That bye week is going to drag, though, let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, finally, it ended the Deshaun Watson saga, at least in terms of punishment. The uh, Browns quarterback reached a settlement between the NFL and NFLPA. He gets an 11-game suspension along with a five Dollar or five five dollar fine, a five million dollar fine. Would be on brand with the NFL. It, it that was his be. original fine. And uh, <laughs> Watson will have to commit to mandatory evaluation and treatment. When he saw treatment on the document, he signed it immediately and said, "What massage treatment?" Oh boy. Uh, Watson uh, suspension will kick in after the final ro- uh, roster cutdown on August thirtieth. He's eligible for reinstatement on November twenty eighth and should make his Browns debut against his former team, the Houston Texans. A very very puzzling press availability held by Cleveland personnel yesterday. This is really way. one of the more greasy, grimy NFL stories I can imagine and I've that I've seen in a in a long long time. There are there are a lot of bad actors in this story. Oh, it's and it gets worse yeah, every time and, they talk. Yeah, and the the fact that both sides are still not happy with the outcome of this maybe actually resembles justice. Yeah. The Bears, Bears. rolled the Seahawks last night in Seattle. 27 to 11. Uh, Justin Fields did play one series, 5 of 7, 39 yards. Uh, three games on the schedule tonight. Carolina at New England. I'm guessing there's going to be fights. Green Bay hosting New Orleans and uh, Houston in uh, L.A. to face the Rams. ASU's named its starting quarterback. It's Emory Jones. Florida transfer will be at the helm against NAU September 1st. He won the fall camp competition against Paul Tyson and Trenton Bourget. Weird fact. This will now be the seventh straight season that ASU's starting quarterback will wear the uniform number five. That's the stuff you're only going to get here on Bickley and Murata Mind blown. Manny Wilkins for three years, Jaden Daniels for three years, and now Emory Jones. Whoa. So David. And it's such a, a rando number, two for a quarterback. And it is. Like, if yeah. it was 12, you'd go, okay, I get it. Paul Warning. <laughs> Don Mikowski. Yeah. Oh, he was seven, I think. Uh, team captains were also named for the Sun Devils. They are Jones, fullback Case Hatch, tackle Adarius Henderson. Linebackers Merlin uh, Robertson and Kyle Soley and injured defensive lineman Michael Matus. D-backs took the final game of a four-game series with the Giants. 5-0 on Thursday. Zach Gallen is just lights out right now. Seven and a third scoreless innings. Scattered four hits. Struck out a season-high 12 and ran his scoreless inning streak to 21 and a third. Dalton Varsho, Josh Rojas each knocked in runs in the third. Giving everything the D-backs would need, but they got more thanks to RBIs from Sergio Alcantara, Jake McCarthy, and Carson Kelly. D-backs end up splitting that series with the Giants in their home to host uh, the St. Louis Cardinals and some guy named... Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, something like that. Uh, Cardinals red hot. They've won four straight and 13-4 and four over their last 17 games. It's Tommy Henry against uh, Miles Michaelis. First pitch, 640. And the coverage, pregame coverage starts at 6 here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. And the Mercury facing elimination tomorrow night in Game 2 of their first round WNBA playoff series against the Las Vegas Aces. That game tips off at 6 o'clock, and you can see it on ESPN2. There you go. There's your splash for Jarrett Carlin's birthday. And it's also a special day because it is uh, day five of Giveathon Week for Phoenix Children's, and it's a triple match day. Thanks to the Valley Hyundai dealers, triple match up to $120,000. Wow. So, yeah, if you've been waiting all week, 
This is your day to donate. We'll get into that later in the hour. By the way, Zach Gallon scheduled to join us at day 8.30 today, too. Coming up next, we mentioned it. Cardinals heading into a football weekend. We'll get into all the nooks and crannies of it next. Spickly and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Souls and Kona Brewing. The home of Arizona Cardinals football. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Bickley and Murata. Competition has been great all the way through. Uh, lots of talking, lots of chirping. There's a lot of veteran players now that I think have really come into their own and they're comfortable leading and they're comfortable um, talking to their teammates. And, and that, that makes it fun to, to be a part of and hopefully that carries over into the season. That is Cliff Kingsbury yesterday commenting on the high-energy Thursday practice now to camp takeoff. Training camp continuing out at uh, State Farm Stadium. Cardinals getting ready for the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. We know the storylines. We know the participants. We won't see Lamar Jackson for Baltimore. We won't see Kyler Murray for the Arizona Cardinals. But we will see more of T. Mm. What, what, what are we calling him? Swaggy T? Yeah. Trace Swaggy Mc, T. Trace, Trace McSorley. Yeah, he'll get the start. We'll yeah. see uh, Jarek Garantano again. Um, and look, we it, w- what we saw from Trace McSorley, um, we've been tempered about it, but it was a good performance. There's no two ways about it. He looked like he was in command of the mm-hmm. offense. The Cardinals' offense was very productive while he was uh, actually executing the offense as called by Cliff Kingsbury. When the offense was called by Kyler Murray, not so much. But you know, <laughs> yeah, that no, was that was truth. kind of a, a post uh, post. Uh, Postmark to that, I guess. Well, yeah, and and I think the Trace McSorley element. There were times last year when we watched Colt McCoy uh, sub for Kyler Murray, and I think a lot of us were surprised at the athleticism that Colt McCoy brought to the position. And we thought, wow, we've got a good backup quarterback situation here in Arizona. And Colt McCoy received a good chunk of change to come back mm-hmm. and, and resume that role and sort of be a mentor slash emergency quarterback, if you will. Trace McSorley strikes me as something different. He strikes me as a guy. That, that could be a, a real sort of, you know, clonish kind of fill-in if something happens to Kyler Murray. And he, at least for one game, kind of carries the feel of an NFL player who is ready to pop if he can only find the right opportunity. And over the course of time, there have been a lot of guys like that. Mm-hmm. You play quarterback at Penn State, and you get into certain systems, and and, and there's a lot of times, you know, perceptions and, and all, all that kind of stuff come with you. And I think that Trace McSorley put together a very decorated career at Penn State, but that's a lot different than putting together a very decorated career at quarterback at Oklahoma, for instance. And so Trace McSorley, I, I think, is is a guy that he looks like a guy that's just been biting, biting his time, waiting for that opportunity, and he's not going to let it go without a fight. And I just, I really liked his vibe. I really did. Yep. So I'm excited to see this. Now, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he came out and played it a level that made you go, oh, okay. Yeah, All right, maybe maybe I down better, to earth. A maybe bit. I better tap the brakes on that a little but bit. But at this point, one of the questions we're asking about Trace McSorley and, and roster construction for the, for the Cardinals as they mm-hmm. move forward in this preseason is: Do they keep three quarterbacks? Cliff Kingsbury was asked about that, and he said, "Yeah, I think so." It has. I've always I've always been partial to that, uh, just because in this league it seems like you know it's hard to get through a season without starter playing every game, and um, to to try and bring a guy in midweek and teach him the offense and do all that. That that's that's tough, and I don't think it really breathes. 
a lot of confidence in your team when you do that. They're like, okay, we get this guy off the couch and he's got to learn the offense in two days. That's not really what we're going for. So to have a guy that has the rapport with the team and um, they can feel some level of confidence that he knows what he's doing, I think that's important. And uh, I would imagine we will have three again this season. Yeah, again, we've, we've talked about yeah. it. Uh, McSorley being that guy, uh, most teams, if you have to plug in your third quarterback, your season's pretty much lost anyway. Uh, but you heard Cliff Kingsbury talk about it there, a guy who knows what he's doing. Um, and that was clear. That was evident. Uh, and we'll see if that continues. Um, Spencer Whipple, one of the uh, offensive assistant coaches, he was on with uh, Wolf and Luke yesterday. He shared his thoughts on Trace McSorley. Trace has been great. He's a competitor. I mean, and he's a gamer. Um, you know, when we, you saw that in the in the game last weekend, um, I thought when he came in last last year, he, he he jumped right into the 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 show team defense scout team or show team offense. In the season, you'd kind of just felt it right away. He had great command of of that that offense, and it carried through into the off season. Um, just just creating a, a bond with with the skill guys, getting on the same page, and then now we here here we are in training camp, and um, you know he just keeps growing and growing. You can see, you know, he's got the ability to break outside the pocket and make plays with his feet, extend the play, um, and now his command of the offense, his his understanding of it, um, has taken to a new level. So he's been impressive this camp. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on Trace McSorley. DJ Humphreys also spoke to the media. The big storyline on the other side of the ball is, if, you know, quote in, in quotation marks, big story. Baltimore's 21-game mm-hmm. preseason winning streak. Uh, apparently it was not known by any, everybody. DJ Humphreys didn't have any clue about that's it. A, that's, a, that's a new fact for me. I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't watch much TV, so I miss a lot of the, like, you know, I'm a big Netflix and Amazon Prime guy, so I miss a lot of the like. I didn't know that. That's 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 pretty cool, man. That's... <laughs> no, I don't know. No, no, no. And uh, more on that. It's exciting and strange all at the same time. I mean, it's winners. Win. I guess you know you're trying to win. Hey, it's something. I don't know how big it is, but it's absolutely something, and it's something that will be talked about on a nationally televised broadcast. Yeah, it it seems to uh, it seems to have morphed into a little more than just nothing this week. You know what I mean? Because it is so it is so implausible and so why is there a reason behind this? And nobody can nobody can really seem to find any real evidence that the Ravens go overboard in trying to win games. They just do. It's yeah. the weirdest thing. And and so again, I I would not I would not take any enjoyment or find any motivation in trying to break that stream. That should not be anywhere near the Cardinals' focus on Sunday. No, again, not going into the game, but depending on how the game unfolds. Did you see the second episode of Hard Knocks? There was a real push, and you could you could feel it on the sidelines watching it. That you know that was a close game that the Lions played in their first preseason game. They wanted to win it, mm-hmm. and they they came up short. And you know uh, there was a key turnover by one of the backup quarterbacks late, and he was kicking himself because they really wanted to win that game. Yeah, when it was on the well, line, you want to take that's it. That's the Lions. They've got no. They they need stuff to build on. The Cardinals <laughs> are an eleven win team that from a year true. ago. You know what I mean? Uh, but, but but again, it's I it's something that's going to be part of the of the narrative of watching this game to yeah. me. We also got more proof of uh, Cliff Kingsbury continuing to loosen up with the media. Zach Ertz and his wife Julie had their baby. Congratulations to them. Their baby boy named Madden. Um, and <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury was asked about it and said that. Yeah, I texted him. Yep, I said that kid has a standing scholarship, whatever, NAIA school I'm coaching at in 18 years. <laughs> 
That's good. That's just a good line. That's a good self-deprecating <laughs> line. At AIA school in 18 years. It's still, po- I mean, what? He's no, only, I don't think, he's he'd, only 40, I don't think he'd want to be. Well, maybe he would be wanting he'd to be in his early 60s years. at yeah, that point. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cardinals, Ravens, Sunday, 5 o'clock. And, of course, full breakdown of that game right here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Monday morning. Coming up next, we finally know what Deshaun Watson's penalty will be. People are talking about that. But also, with the Browns media session yesterday, puzzling stuff. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. Moving, I'm moving on with my career and my life, and I'm continuing to stand on my innocence. Just because, you know, settlements and things like that happen doesn't mean that a person is, is guilty for anything. I feel like the person has the opportunity to stand on his innocence and prove that, and we prove that on the legal side, and we're just going to continue to push forward as an individual and as a person. That's Deshaun Watson um, saying he's innocent yesterday after we learned of the punishment, the settlement reached with the NFL and the NFLPA. 11 games, $5 million fine, has to commit to a, a treatment program and evaluation program. But the funny part about that was, not funny, um, mm. ironic, strange, puzzling, whatever word you want to use, was that just last Friday... Deshaun Watson said this. I have to ask you, the initial ruling from Judge Sue Robinson made a very specific point of saying that your lack of remorse played into her decision-making. It's been a part of the narrative surrounding you. What is your response to that? Look, I want to say that I'm truly sorry to all the women that I've impacted in this situation. Um, my des- decisions that I made in my life that put me in this position, um, you know, I, w- I would definitely like to have back. But I want to continue to move forward and grow and learn and, and show that, you know, I am a, a true person of, of character and I want to keep pushing forward. Now, people looked at that as, as a plus. Hey, mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson has some realization of what he's done. And then he says that, I'm st- standing by my innocence. And then this apology yesterday, this exchange with the media was very, very odd. I have to continue to push forward with my life and my career. And for us to be able to move forward, you know, I have to be able to take steps and put pride to the side. And um, I'm going to continue to stand on my innocence and, and keep pushing forward. And I've always, you know, stood on not disrespecting or sexual assaulting anyone. For everyone that was affected about this situation, there was a lot of people that was triggered. But not the women that accused you of this? I've apologized to all women. So anybody that was affected, even yourself, every, everything. So I'm apologizing to everyone that was affected about this whole situation. What have you done if you have to apologize to all women? <laughs> Well, yeah. None of it made uh, any uh, sense to me. That felt like the, I'm sorry if you were offended by my comments. Yeah, Apology. D- don't look for this to make any sense to you, because like I said, this is really a greasy, grimy story. If you go back to the very beginning, all of this seemed to pop after Deshaun Watson demanded a trade, said he'd never play for the Texans again. And then suddenly, boom, here comes this, the, the these charges that seem to come one after another after another. And, and it's been a very, very tough um, story to kind of even talk about because you certainly don't want to be disrespectful to females or downplay um, sexual assault, which the NFL certainly has had a bad record of this kind of stuff in the past. Um, uh, domestic violence, sexual assault, these issues involving um, awful, abominable treatment of women. So the, you've got that. You've got these attorneys. You remember what a show, sideshow it was at the beginning? Tony Busby and Rusty, who was that? Rusty, Rusty Harden. Harden. 
Yeah, and so there was that. There was the 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 criminal proceedings, which found nothing worthy of of actual criminal charges. And, and then you've got this, and then you got the early ruling, and then you got Deshaun Watson sounding contrite when he thought things were going his way, and now you sound him see hear him sounding kind of bitter now that things haven't gone his way. To me, I, I think the penalty uh, from from what I feel about this story, it, it feels about right. It, it feels punitive enough where the Cleveland Browns are not going to make the playoffs, that Deshaun Watson is going to sit a majority of this season, because clearly, no matter where you go with this story, Deshaun Watson is culpable at some level. And and uh, to me, so are the Texans. When you start talking about a team putting blank NDAs on his locker room seat, or arranging for facilities, or arranging for facilities, safe houses to keep this kind of under wraps. It's pretty clear Deshaun Watson started engaging in a pattern of behavior nope. that that unfortunately you. that is obviously illegal, but it exists in a lot of places. And in fact, I I've shared this with you. I've talked with people who have run massage parlors, and they will tell you that that a lot of the unlicensed massage parlors they know all about this. Shadow industry, the sex parlor aspect of massage uh, therapy businesses, and and you've seen this across. Robert Kraft got caught up in one of these at once upon a time, and it's pretty clear to me that Deshaun Watson thought this is standard, this is cool, that I, that, and it, and it became a, a real weird fetish with him, and it became clear to me that that once he started sitting out and talking smack about the Texans, then a lot of people who have been in contact with Deshaun Watson started. To yap, and somebody put this all together, and they started comparing notes. And there's a massage therapist here who's like, "I can't believe what this guy did." And so clearly, th- there's a deplorable side to Deshaun Watson. And the idea that he's sitting here with the standard legalese yesterday, I- I- I'm just going to continue to be, I'm continue to grow, I'm going to continue to be the best version of me. It's just all so gross. It's a perfect word for it. And then to double down, the owners of the Browns, Jimmy Haslam and D. Haslam, they took the, uh, the the podium, and Jimmy Haslam talked about uh, second chances. You know, I, here's what I think is that um, I think in this country and hopefully in the world, people deserve second chances. Okay, I really think that, and. I, I, I struggle a little bit. Is is he never supposed to play again? Is he never supposed to be part of society? Does he get no chance to rehabilitate himself? And that's what we're going to do, okay? And you could say, well, that's because he's a star quarterback. Well, of course. But if he was Joe Smith, he wouldn't be in the, on the headlines every day. So we think people deserve a second chance. We gave Kareem Hunt a second chance, okay? And that's worked out pretty well, okay? We're hoping this will work out, and we have strong belief it will. That doesn't mean we don't have empathy for people affected, and we will continue to do so. But we strongly believe, strongly believe people deserve a second chance. We believe Deshaun Watson deserves a second chance. I mean, it was all laid out there. Is it because he's a star quarterback? Yes. Yeah. Well, he admitted it. He admitted <laughs> At it. At least he admitted Kareem it. Kareem Hunt worked At, out good for us. Yeah. How about Kareem Hunt getting dragged into it? Yeah, Kareem's probably, oh, thanks a lot, Jimmy. <laughs> appreciate, appreciate that. that. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 there is there is truth to that. They did. Kareem uh, Hunt came with a very checkered pass, too, when he went from he Kansas City to Cleveland. But um, Kyle Brandt pointed this out on Good Morning Football. Is 
On one hand, you have Deshaun Watson again flip-flopping and saying, oh, I'm innocent. I didn't do these things. I'm going to continue to push forward, blah, 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 blah. Then you have the owner of the Cleveland Browns, his employer, Jimmy Haslam, saying, oh, we deserve a second chance. Are you not in line with your own player's assertion that he's innocent? Well, yeah, and again, but I I, I don't think think Deshaun Watson, uh, uh, his line of, of... Thought that that to me is illogical. What he was saying yesterday. So, I, if you were the owner of the Browns, you wouldn't want to line up with what he was saying yesterday. I don't think so. I, maybe there was no alignment going in. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jimmy Haslam yeah. didn't know what Deshaun Watson was going to say. Because again, it was exactly opposite of what he said six days prior. Because six days prior, somebody, no- told, somebody told him, "Dude, you better apologize. You better show some contrition, or you're or you're going to lose." Yeah, yesterday he already signed. The thing he had nothing to lose at that point. Yeah. He, could, he could go back to like I'm right. innocent. I'm right, innocent. exactly. Which is another, to use your word, another grimy element to There's all of this. So much of it in he, this story. He was trying to appeal to those who were, you know, crafting this suspension for him. Well, see, I am, I am contrite. Listen, I do I, have remorse. There, there are complainants in this case who have who have been exposed as seeking money and money only. There are complainants in this case who you watch interviews and they are very clearly traumatized. You listen to these lawyers, you listen to Deshaun Watson, you listen to the Browns, the NFL clearly with an axe to grind over the contract they gave him. It's just all disgusting. And also, I am so sick of Deshaun Watson and this story. And I'm sure everybody is. Well, luckily, now you won't have to Thank you. Yes. hear about him until, I guess, week 13, and then you're going to hear nothing but about him for that and, week. And I got news for you. See, the thing is, I don't know if you watched any of him in in that first preseason game last week. He looked rusty. Yeah. As, he looked rustier than Rusty Harden. <laughs> <laughs> and so the fact that he's going to roll back in in week 13 and be a good football player, that ain't happening. So at that point, that would be after more than a year and a half of yeah. like a season and a half of right. He'll be 28 games yeah, that and, he will have missed. And the Browns have a really good roster. They've got a great cornerback. They've got a great offensive line. Great They've got running great backs. running backs. Mm-hmm. they got Amari Cooper now, right? they got one of the best defensive ends in football. Oh, for, how could I forget about right. him? Denzel Ward, pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah that's the quarterback. I, I, I'm with you, though. Yeah. Sick, of, sick oh. of the story. Yeah, but. yeah. It, it, like I said, there's just a lot of bad actors all the way around in this story. Coming up next, we uh, kick off day five of Give-A-Thon Week for Phoenix Children's. It is a big day because it's a triple match day, thanks to the Valley Hyundai dealers. Give-A-Thon for Phoenix Children's, presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and Ak-Chin Indian community, continues next here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports. Station. The Giveathon for Phoenix Children's is presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers in the Ak Chin Indian community. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, in the Arizona Sports app. Giveathon on the Bigley and Marotta Show. Oh, it is a big day because it is day five. We culminate Phoenix Children's Giveathon. Here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station for another year. And we're starting at a good spot again on the tote board, Bick, today. Uh, all told, yesterday, we ended up uh, at $1.345 million. We've got a goal in mind. We want to uh, we want to break our records that we've set in the past for Phoenix Children's. And you can help us do that. 
Phoenix uh, Children's Giveathon is presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Auction Indian community. And how can you help by becoming a champion of hope? What does that mean? A $20 per month donation is all it takes to become a champion of hope. Those dollars go right to Phoenix Children's, help the families and the kids there. When you do that, you also get a teddy bear uh, delivered to a patient in your name. And uh, you also receive a choice of a kid's pass at Wildlife World Zoo or a cobblestone car wash. The phone number to do that is 602-933-4567-933-4567. And I've kind of buried the lead, too, why it's a big day. Yeah. Because it's another triple match day all day long, thanks to the uh, Valley Hyundai dealers. Yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a day in some where we can really move this number way into the stratosphere, and that would be a great way to end this cause. A uh, little heads up for Phoenix Children's and, and just how good they are. A lot of times we in sports, we talk about teams that don't get respect and how the national media doesn't pay attention to this or that. Phoenix Children's does not have that issue. Twelve consecutive years, they have been ranked among the nation's best children's hospitals. So that's from 2010 and, uh, until tw- 2022 to current. So for 12 consecutive years, they've been ranked among the best children's hospitals in America. I got a hold of their rankings. Their neurology and neurosurgery, they're 19th in the nation. Gastroenterology, 28th. Nephrology, 29th. Cardiology, heart surgery, 37th. Cancer, 41st. I could go on and on and on. What I'm trying to say here is this is a world-class facility giving treatment to our children in our communities. This is a great way to to kind of give back to the community. So let's get this thing going. Yeah. This is Friday. This is the day we push that number as high as we possibly can. Yeah, I just got some updated numbers. Total patients right now, 352 at Phoenix Children's. Help out those kids. Help out the 52 kids right now in the emergency department. The 23 in PICU, 27 in NICU, and 47 kids in cardiovascular ICU at Phoenix Children's right now. So, you know, let's pick out that 47 number. 47 kids in cardiovascular ICU. Let's get 47 champions of hope right now at 602-933-4567. And your donations, and your donations are tripled thanks to the... Uh, Jared, you just talked over the phone sorry, number. Again, Shut Jared. up, Jared! <laughs> thanks to the... And you just talked over the sponsor. 602-933-4567. Bam! Uh, we do have a, a, a check presentation to get to. Sarah caught up with our friends from Carl's Jr. All right, we're joined now by Cameron Miller, the COO of Carl's Jr. Arizona, a Champion of Hope sponsor this year. And uh, Cameron, Carl's Jr. Arizona is involved year in and year out with the Phoenix Children's Giveathon. So first, uh, I would just love to hear why it's so important for Carl's Jr. Arizona to be involved for so many years now. Well, for us, it's kind of a, a legacy thing. It's it's a way for us to give back to the community, to be involved in something that our company truly stands for as a child is our future. Um, we, we definitely have been doing this now for 19 years and as a company have, uh, with the help of our guests, raised over $1 million to give back to PCH. So we, we, we're very proud of uh Continuing the legacy, continuing this on until there is no longer a need and there's no longer a NICU. Carl's Jr. Arizona has given $1 million over the span of your time with the Phoenix Children's Giveathon. We can't 
thank our guests enough uh, for their patronage and for this them helping us to give back to Phoenix Children's Hospital. Well, we so appreciate it, Cameron. Thank you to you and to Carl's Jr. Arizona. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, we noticed that there wasn't a total given on. Thank you to Cameron Miller and everybody at Carl's Jr. for their contributions throughout the years. But Carl's Jr. is still currently raising money, and they're doing that through September 12th. And as of today, Bick, they've raised over $25,000 for Phoenix Children. So thanks again, uh, once again, to uh, Carl's Jr. for everything they've done uh, for Giveathon for Phoenix Children throughout the year. Uh, it's time for another story of hope presented by Madame Holmes. Just weeks before her due date, Linda. Linda's mom learned her unborn daughter had an extremely rare genetic condition which affects the development of the skeletal and reproductive systems. Children with this condition rarely live past their first year, and if they do, they're on life support. But not this fighter. This is Linda's story. I had been admitted for signs and symptoms of preeclampsia, and I was at 38 weeks. They came in, they told us that uh, Linda was more than likely not going to make it and you know asked us if we had chosen a name to which i said i was like yes uh her name is linda and they said that's great because it, it usually makes the grieving process a lot easier sorry my OBGYN decided that that, she, that we were going to have to be induced so that i would be giving birth on my due date december 25th asked my family for a moment so i went into my bedroom i closed the door and I started rubbing my tummy and I started praying. This child is not mine. This child is yours. And if you allow me to borrow her, we're waiting for her. Around 3, 3.30, I started feeling everything again. <laughs> the doctor said it's time to push. And they had told us, they were like, they were the one thing that we're looking for is if she can cry. Because the moment she cries, it means that she made it. Because with campomelic dysplasia, the rib cage will either so compact and tight that first breath of air, uh, they can't. Or it'll be so glass-like and fragile that when they take that first breath of air, the the rib cage sh- shatters. 15 minutes is all it took. 15 minutes. And at 4.30, I gave birth. They bring over an incubator with uh, this tiny peanut in it. <laughs> and they're like, look, this is your daughter. And I'm seeing her through this glass. And I told her, I was like, Linda, you hang on in there. They told me that she wasn't going to make it past the birthing stage. She did. Um, they said her prognosis was a year. She's now eight. They told me that she shouldn't really be moving or really doing much of anything, that she was going to be in pretty much a vegetative state. And they told me that she wasn't probably going to be able to eat. Right now, we're finally decreasing her formula feeds, and her doctors are hoping that we will eventually be able to wing off that NG tube. And she's eating. She's eating foods of all types. They told me that she wasn't going to be able to really move or have much mobility. Linda started crawling last August. She's still wheelchair-bound, but man, should you see her in that wheelchair. She enjoys popping wheelies, looking and seeing fast cars. And to her, in her wheelchair, she'll say, I go vroom vroom. (laughs) 
every specialist there they're just amazing at having levels of compassion of, of empathy they're not just trying to solve our problems they're trying to work with us to find a solution again life with her it's had its challenges and there are more more often than not we have to make adaptations but she doesn't really see herself as different or if she does she doesn't show it <laughs> triple match triple match now is the best time to call 602-933-4567 to donate to PCH. Triple your donation now. It's the Giveathon Triple Match. You heard that right. Valley Hyundai dealers triple matching your donations right now. Become a champion of hope. Help out all the kids at Phoenix Children's like Linda and all the kids there uh, by calling 602-933-4567. 602-933-4567. Become that champion of hope that we need you to be. And that's, what does that mean? $20 per month. Teddy Bear will be delivered to a patient like Linda in your name. And uh, you'll receive your choice of a kid's pass a wildlife world zoo make or a cobblestone car wash make it count triple right now twenty dollars a month becomes 60 just like that you see wow. how that yes, piles up yes you do and uh, helps uh, all the kids and families at phoenix children 602-933-4567 again we're in a triple match thanks to our valley hyundai dealers 602-933-4567 off to a good start today we'll keep it going strong all day long as the uh, train teddy bear express makes its way through Phoenix Children's delivering those donated teddy bears to uh, to uh, kids at Phoenix Children's. As we continue give week for Phoenix Children's, it's presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Auction Indian community. 